Welcome to the Product Boss Podcast, where we help product-based businesses grow their sales and improve their strategies. Hey, everyone. I want to introduce you to my co-host and biz bestie, Mina Kunlositev, an Amazon guru that has built a multi-six-figure product-based business. In introducing the other half of the product boss, Jacqueline Snyder. She has helped launch and grow over 500 fashion apparel and accessory brands, even one of her own. And together, we share our inventory of secret weapons that will help you dig deep and do the work it takes. Are you ready? Let's build together. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Product Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline Snyder, with my beautiful co-host, Mina Kunlo-Sita. Hey, Mina. Hey, Jacqueline. Do you love all the names that I call you before? (laughs) (laughs) They build up my confidence right when I'm going in for a podcast episode. She never knows what's coming at her, and then I always watch her eyes go like, oh, oh, okay. (laughs) So um, thank you everyone for joining us again. We are really delighted today to have a very, very special guest with us. We have Joanna Parker. She is the founder and chief product officer of Yumble. Welcome to the podcast, Joanna. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. So please tell our listeners a little bit about Yumble and your product line. Sure. So Yumble is a weekly subscription of fully prepared, healthy, yummy meals, designed just for kids and delivered straight to the homes of busy parents. I started Yumble really with two missions at hand. One was to help busy, busy parents and make their lives a little bit easier and also to help children all across America have access to healthy, delicious meals without all of the stress and work that's generally involved. Yeah, that's like a second job, especially if you have a picky eater. Yeah, so I really started Yumble. I have three young kids and I started it out of my own personal pain point of finding it just super challenging and time-consuming to get healthy, delicious food on the table that was made from ingredients that I was really happy with and food that my kids actually wanted to eat every day. And how old are they? My oldest um, is nine. I then have a seven-year-old daughter and a four-year-old daughter. Yeah, it's, um, it is challenging. I mean, I even think being somebody, we, a big question that clients give us all the time, we're like, how do you do it all, right? Um, how do you run a business? have kids, be a spouse, whatever it is. And so I, I, it's like, I need a personal chef. I need a housekeeper. I need all the things. And you're taking over that sort of issue that we have, which is like that personal chef for our kids. So, um, tell us about, tell us about the, like the food, like, what are you sending? Is it frozen? Is it fresh? How does it come? Sure. So when customers go online, they can choose anywhere from 6, 12 to 24 meals. Those are the three plan sizes. And you get to hand select which meals you want from our menu. And our menu typically has around 30 choices each week. Uh, They vary from lunches, dinners, breakfasts, and a couple of snacks. Um, So people can really cater to what their family's needs are and when they plan to use Yumble. Um, Most of our meals are sort of healthy twists of classics and favorites of kids. So think mac and cheese, but it's made with a protein infused pasta and it's an all natural cheese sauce with no added preservatives. Um, We have these chicken pops that we are really proud of. Um, It's a white meat, antibiotic free, hormone free, uh, basically chicken nugget, but in in round shape. It's baked in panko crumbs and it's on a lollipop stick. So it's super fun for kids and they can dip it and dunk it. And that's really a big part of Yumble is making mealtime 
taking it away from being a stressful time to being a really fun time. Oh yes, the stress. Yeah. <laughs> it's just for moms, but you know, when kids have a good relationship with food, that carries them throughout life. True. And that's really why I started this was I felt that the younger kids develop healthy eating habits and the less stress there is around mealtime for children, the stronger their healthy eating habits would be for the rest of their lives. So you're saying yelling at my child to eat his last piece of broccoli <laughs> is not ideal. And not I know that's a personal experience. Yeah. I'm like, but it's covered in cheese. I've had cheese all over it. I know. I just had a joke with somebody the other day where I was, they were saying something like, you know, I bet you never run around chasing your kid with like a fork with that last bite. And you're like, just eat it, just eat it. And as I was chasing my son like to the school bus, and I do. <laughs> we all have those moments. So yeah, I think, and so thank you, I guess, first as a mom for coming up with a solution for us, um, for a kid. So tell us a little bit about, since this is a product uh, based, you know, podcast, tell us a little bit about the conception of it. Like, how did you get started? What did, what was the first thing you did to test this into the market and, and actually like it's cooking, right? You needed a kitchen and how did you start? Yeah. So I didn't spend a lot of time researching. I knew I had this pain point. I had talked to my friends about it, you know, a billion times. And my husband, who's my co-founder, um, had started businesses before and he was sort of encouraging me to find what I felt was a pain point for myself and, and solve it. So when I was telling him about, you know, feeding kids and how stressful it was, and it was a recurring problem every single day, he said, great, why don't you see if other people have this problem, not just you and your girlfriends. So I actually posted anonymously on a Facebook mommy group um, in New York City. And I said, does anybody want me to cook their children a week's worth of, of dinners? And I didn't really think anybody was going to take me up on it because they didn't know who I was. I didn't have a menu. I didn't have a website. I had nothing. Um, but I was bombarded with, yes, please cook me whatever you're making. Um, and so I quickly ran home. We were actually at a family vacation. I had to cut it short and come back. And I quickly came up with a menu, uh, cooked everything, packed everything myself, delivered everything myself. Um, I took the first 10 people who responded and put everybody else on a wait list. And I really just let that customer base grow. When, I, when they returned the next week and asked if I was doing it again, that's when the idea for subscription really clicked. And I realized parents have this problem today. They're going to have it next week. They're probably going to have it for about 13 or 14 years until their children are grown up enough to cook for themselves. So that's really how I got started. So smart. And so funny that those women, they had no idea who you were. You know, you could- no idea. I love how you went yeah. bold there and you know just posted up on a Facebook group and they were like, yeah, we love the idea. That's how we really knew that there was a demand for this product. Um, and then it was just about finding, you know, market fit. Did any, um, logistics things that was kind of a learning lesson? Oh yeah. Well, since I was doing everything on my own for the first couple of months, I learned every part of the business. I mean, I didn't have a, you know, an official culinary background. I definitely didn't have an operations and logistics background. Um, so learning how to do customer service, packaging, delivering, cooking, sourcing, all of that stuff. I had to learn it all on my own. Um, and what I realized was very early on that I, it is a very, very operations heavy business. Um, and that's when my husband, uh, and I decided to bring on Dan Treman. He's the former co-founder of HelloFresh USA. Um, and he comes with a lot of operational chops. So I think my biggest learning early on was find partners who can complement the areas where you are not as strong. 
Yeah. So smart. So we, so you started this out, you brought on someone to help you sort of fill in the gaps of your knowledge. Um, when did you transition to a commercial kitchen and sort of make your first hires? Yes, we transitioned to a commercial kitchen pretty early on because of, you know, quality assurance and, and legality and all that stuff. Um, in June of 2017, we officially launched as Yumble. And at that time, we were a team of four and slowly started adding people as we needed them. But we really bootstrapped for a while and were, I continue to, but really at that time, wore almost all, every hat. Were you, um, were you and your husband employed? Like, did you have other careers somewhere where you were juggling this or were you guys like, we're, we're out, we're going to do this? We both went in a hundred percent. Amazing. So, um, tell us a little bit about where your business is now. So today, about a year and a half later, we are in 31 States on the Eastern half of America. Um, hoping to be national by the, uh, third quarter of 2019. Uh, we are a team of 18 and delivering tens of thousands of meals a week. Amazing. So this is something I think our listeners are going to really like to know about, um, that you were actually on Shark Tank, right? And you were funded by Bethany Frankel, um, one of my favorite housewives. <laughs> I drink her margarita mix every week, I feel like. Any <laughs> girl. Exactly. Yeah. That was quite an experience. When did you get on? Um, when were you on Shark Tank? We were on December 9th of 2018. Okay. So about like six months after you started or no? No, like, a year and a half. <laughs> like what year is it? We're in 2019. <laughs> no, that was just, what year is it? That was just three months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, I'm already in 2020 guys. Like yeah. I, I planned out the goal year. Okay. So you were in business for a year and almost a year and a half, right? When yeah. you went on and then a year and three months. And so now you're a year and a half old. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So it's a long application process. Um, we applied with me and my husband. Um, they fly us out to California. We, you know, the whole time you or just sort of pitching to the, the studio. And then, uh, you know, you, you go out on stage and it's pretty daunting. Um, but I'm always, I always say that I'm very grateful I did it with my husband because at this point it's all like a little bit of a blur. It was so fast and so kind of uh, surreal. So we kind of look at each other every once in a while and we're like, did we say that? When, how did that go? And um, it was just really thrilling. And so who did most of the pitch? You or your husband? I did. Um, we had sort of planned that I would do most of the talking. And then when they started kind of asking us more about the numbers, because he's more of the numbers guy in the business, uh, he would start talking. But it's actually pretty funny because, and I, I told him beforehand, I said, you know, when it starts to get to a negotiation, like, I'm just going to let you handle it. And when Bethany made the offer, um, I like elbowed him really, really hard. And I was like, take the offer. And they edited that out. <laughs> like push them down. You're like, I know what I want. Exactly. <laughs> this, this is when you need it. Yeah. This is when you need a code word, right? Like margarita. That yeah. means take the deal. <laughs> Tequila means no. Um, 
it's really interesting the questions they ask in terms of getting you prepped to be on the show uh, because it really makes you look at your business and see what you would value it at, what you really need and want in your business because people can say a number, but do they want the partnership? Like what do they need? And I think the brilliance about your business is you guys very early on saw in order to grow it, um, you needed to bring on the right people to really build it to something where you're a year and a half later in 31 states, you know, I think, I think you've like multi-million dollar company, right. In terms of funding and all that. So, um, what would you say the things that you learned, like some of the most important things you learned, like prepping for the show or being on the show that you maybe didn't know before you were applying for the process? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great question. Cause we definitely, you know, we were fortunate. We were sort of in the middle of raising our series a, um, and the shark tank part was just sort of like a piece of that. Um, but so we had been, you know, very familiar with our numbers and our evaluations and, and where we kind of put ourselves because we had other investors who were uh, interested at the time. Um, so I think the question that we really had to ask was what did we want from one of the sharks and who would be the right fit? Um, you know, it wasn't just a financial need that we had. It was really also, like you said, the right partnership and, and finding the right person to kind of help us get where we needed to go. Did you want Bethany then? Well, you have to say yes now. <laughs> yeah. So I was actually really excited when I heard she was going to be on because I feel like, first of all, she's a really, you know, aggressive businesswoman. Um, she's got a nutrition background, so she really understands the health part of it. And she's a mom who's busy. Um, and you could tell from the second we walked out onto the stage um, and, you know, all she knew of us was what they displayed and she got the concept right away. And, you know, for me, that's really... Uh, what I look for in an investor or someone who really understands the product and the the demand that we're trying to fulfill. Mm-hmm. And she's, and you're in New York, right? Yeah. Yeah. So she's a New York mom too. I mean, it's just a totally different lifestyle. Like you can get breakfast delivered to your apartment exactly. in New York yeah. city. Like before anybody ever had Instacart, like you could get a guy on a bike bringing you a coffee. Exactly. That would be in like five seconds. In five, I was like, when I moved there, I was like, oh, wait, and I can get cookies at 3 a.m. This is amazing. <laughs> so, um, all right. So, so you found the right fit. You saw her eyes light up. Basically, it sounds like, you know, you knew that she understood it, which is super, really important. And then would you say the visibility on the show helped also with sales? Like, did that sort of, was that your ad campaign, your national thing that grew you? Or were you a, did you already have that momentum or were you paying for press and all that before? We definitely had momentum before, um, but it was definitely a very nice tick in our numbers. Um, and it was very exciting to watch as it was airing. And we were all on Google analytics, watching our like, you know, viewers on the website going up and uh, yeah, we got a lot of great customers from it and, and really great exposure. I mean, thankfully the, the sharks liked us and uh, portrayed us nicely. <laughs> yeah. What was your deal ask? Our deal ask was six percent. We asked $500,000 for 4% and we ended up at $500,000 for 6%. Nice. And you got Bethany, which I do agree. You know, she just seems like a perfect fit with her health background, her food background. It's a whole different animal when you're thinking about food and she's great at marketing too. But also what a good deal because I feel like they're always asking for 40 to 60%. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or at least 30, right? They always yeah. want all of it. <laughs> they do. Yeah, well, that's why they got right down to our numbers because they obviously realized we were asking for a high valuation. Um, and I think that they, you know, my husband is a pretty savvy businessman. Uh, he's 
built and sold other companies before. He went to Harvard Business School. Um, so I think when we got out there and they started talking to us, they sort of realized that our company was like of a high caliber. Um, so thankfully, they didn't throw us off the stage. So what did you and your husband do in your previous life? So my husband was first, we actually, so we went to high school and college together. Um, and then after we graduated from college, we got married and he went to Harvard Business School. Uh, he was a filmmaker for a few years before that. And then he had a bunch of different startups that he uh, built and sold. Um, and I was, I worked at Macy's first in product development. Then I transitioned into early childhood education for a couple of years. And after being a teacher and having my second child, I decided to stay at home for a little while. And that's when Yamble was born. Isn't that amazing how your life, the things that you did in your life, like product development and child, early childhood education, it is also the most perfect fit for the product you created. It's totally true. And I never, like, it didn't even, I didn't realize it until like well into my Yumble career where I was like, wow, like I really, I get kids and I under, you know, and, and I really, you also, you learn a lot about parents as a teacher because you're with their children all day and you learn how to talk to them and how to relate to them and how, how precious their children's lives are and how much care they take in the people who they trust to kind of take on or delegate out different responsibilities. I'm sure you hear all the time, any all, startups are tremendous roller coaster rides. Um, but every time you come out from one of the kind of drops, you're very grateful for whatever you've learned from that experience. So how has your business changed since it's been on Shark Tank? Um, the biggest two changes I would say is we are having an easier time um, expanding. Um, so we're about to add on eight more states. Um, and people are very excited to talk to us once we say we were on shark tank so it definitely gives your company some credibility um and i think also from customers perspective there's like a familiarity um or someone who's already kind of vouched for us so they're willing to kind of give us a try i think a little bit more easily there's less friction it's that no like trust factor but you're like on this national scale from tv and you know it's a reality show but like you said, people have an affinity towards it. They love it. They love the products that they see on it. So um, yeah, that's really interesting because otherwise your no like trust would come from moms recommending it, um, the kind of more of the traditional route versus that kind of global stage that you had and having somebody like Bethany a part, of, you know, validate it, even though, you know, there's other people too out there in the world that have validated it for you. Exactly. It is that validation and a little bit of a, a known factor. Yeah. And that like factor, because on Shark Tank, they get to hear your backstory, whereas you're not having to give this whole long backstory of, hey, this is my product. This is why I created it. This is why you should love me. You know, that sort of thing. It's all on there. And then you can just cut to the chase, basically. Nice. Right. I bought everything that's been on Shark Tank, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> I actually haven't. Really? I did yeah. those, got those curlers. I've done, I wear the deodorant um, that was on there, the charcoal on, basically everything. I just, I'm a fan of the show. So I think that that itself, um, you know, lends to the instant consumer. Yeah. I mean, we watched the show as a family for a long time. Now we've stopped just because it's too, uh, <laughs> too stressful now that we've been on it. Um, but we really watched it for a while with our kids. And I loved, I love the show because it's really kind of, made my kids think in a different way than I think they're used to. And we've been able to have sort of family conversations that are not your typical one about businesses and valuations and numbers. And, and they're, you know, they understand the idea of investors and stuff like that. So I think it's been a positive experience for our family also. 
So I know you're still a new business, but you're also quite far in business, you know, going into your second year. So what would, what advice would you give other product businesses starting out right now that, um, perhaps don't have the, the partnerships or co-founders perhaps that, you know, that like, that you, you were fortunate to have from high school, you know, your husband, but, um, you know, for a person who's kind of starting out their mom, they have a product or whoever they are, what would you say is some good advice for them to get started? I would say, don't be shy. Go for it. Um, I think that you'd be surprised what you can get done on your own. Um, and, and talk to everybody because people are interested. I think sometimes people get nervous that they talk about their product, someone's going to copy them. Um, you have much more to gain by talking about your product than you have to lose by kind of keeping it a secret. And I think there's, you know, you, you have to be really open-minded, uh, very thick-skinned, uh, accept a lot of the criticism and really listen, whether it's customers or people who are testing your products for you, but really listening to what it is that people want from the product that you're delivering and not, not to be afraid to pivot a little bit because what you envision it to be might not be exactly what it's going to end up being. Right. And, and you started with no audience. You know, there's a lot of people that have this built-in audience and then they release a product and they the other people feel like, oh, I really need an, to build my audience first. You just went for it. You posted on Facebook and then started building it, you know, one step at a time along the way. So I love that about your story. And you really did start out as a bootstrapper and just kind of figured it out. You, you didn't even have the food background. So that's wonderful to hear that you can learn anything in this day and age. You really can. I even taught myself to code so that I could build a website. And if <laughs> you didn't have your nine-year-old <laughs> do it for you. <laughs> exactly, I should have. <laughs> I know. They're going to be so useful one of these days. I know. <laughs> um, so actually, one thing I want to dig into is the validation of the product. So again, we work with a lot of startups or people within their first to second year, but um, a lot of, especially for me, I consult a lot of startup companies, people that have the idea still in their head and they just don't know what it's what it's going to look like when it gets out there and if it's even something they should spend all their hard-earned cash on and time. So I think one thing I just really want our listeners to take away from this too is the fact that you had an idea and you went for it, right? So it wasn't, you probably did a little research, but it wasn't something that took forever. You kind of had your background and you just said to, let's call it friends and family, right? Like it's people that you're friends with in a group um, and said, hey, who needs this? Who needs help? And you kind of just went for it. You didn't have to worry about your packaging, right? Like you probably put it in Tupperware. Like, I put it in these little like white boxes. Yeah. Something yeah, nice, but nothing just, like fully labeled with Yumble on it. No. Yeah. Cause we have no. clients that are caught up in the packaging, even like the beautiful presentation versus seeing if people actually want the product, validating it, and then making changes along the way. Um, what, what do you, what would you have to say about that? Yeah, I mean, I think that's something you have to really find the right balance. You obviously want to put a product out that's good enough. Uh, my husband taught me the word most viable, least viable product. Um, so you need something that at least people can get a, the concept. Um, but if you wait until your product is perfect, you are never going to launch. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> we're still evolving the product. We're evolving the brand. We're evolving the product offering. The, the food is always improving. You know, you're never, you're never done improving your product. So. Yeah. And that's a, that's a making of a good brand too, that you guys are always looking to make it better versus some of those brands that keep trying to take things away. Right. <laughs> you know. Um, so Joanna, if you don't mind, could you take us into a peek into your life a little bit? Like 
uh, do you have help with your kids? Do you, um, you know, I feel like there's such a balance, right? Um, a lot of times since we're CEOs now, we're, you know, business partners, we're moms, we're so many things. What does your life look like and what type of help do you have in the whole sphere of everything? Uh, yeah, I have a lot of help and, you know, I would never be able to do half of what I'm doing if I didn't have that help. Um, so I have uh, a babysitter at home. She, so every morning I'm the only one home with my kids. I get them dressed, fed and drive them to school every single day. And so that's sort of my carved out mom time. Um, and I really don't ever schedule anything during the, that time. My kids really rely on knowing that I'm going to be the one there for that. But at the same time, they also know that when they get off the school bus to come home, I'm not going to be there. So that's when my babysitter pitches in and she's wonderful. She can drive them places. And I have a ton of friends. It's a wonderful community that I live in. So they're also really big helps to me. Um, and I'm also really fortunate to have both my parents and David's parents live nearby. Um, so they help out and pitch in a ton also. Yeah, I love that. And grandparents are the best, aren't they? They um, are because it's a treat for my kids. And so then I don't <laughs> have to feel bad. <laughs> um, well, what I just want to thank you for opening up um, and sharing this with our listeners, because I think watching how quickly you've grown in a year and a half and then the smart moves that you made. And a lot of that was, uh, financial moves, but then you didn't give away the whole thing. You know, some people would be like, you, you evaluated it. You just made really smart business decisions, which I think is why you are where you are. So what we like to do is we like to sort of wrap our, um, interviews with some fun questions. So would you like to jump into those? Yes. Okay. Um, so it's going to start with what is your coffee order? Uh, I make it at home. Um, it's a regular black cup of coffee uh, with a sweet and low. I know it's horrible. <laughs> it's my vice. Sweet <laughs> my and low. They make those still. <laughs> I know. I know. I have to like hide them in my house. <laughs> um, what is the favorite thing on your desk? On my desk, my picture of my kids. Yeah, that's so nice. Um, finish the sentence. When I pick up my phone, I spend too much time on it. <laughs> <laughs> you wish you knew how to sing sing yeah I wish I was a singer I love to sing and I'm terrible at it it's amazing that's such a good one um my husband is he does sing and I I used to sing so loud in my car when I first met him I like I swear the first two three years with him I was never I never sang ever <laughs> like, don't judge me <laughs> um good at it so yeah and then he's always like everyone's a good singer like you just need the confidence so um I disagree okay. yeah <laughs> I disagree also. that's a nice way of telling me it's okay <laughs> <laughs> um what was the last show that you binge watched uh Fargo oh good one it's so good but I'm very about- intense. I'm about mind. to get into Game of Thrones again and that's going to be my uh, answer for all things <laughs> My husband watches it. Um, what should the title in your email signature actually say? Tired mom. <laughs> <laughs> Juggler of all things. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> and then do you have an alter ego or stage persona, kind of like how Beyonce has Sasha Fierce? Is it horrible if I say no? I don't think so. No. Some people are just confident, you know, either on or off. Yeah. Perfect. It sounds like you're just fine without one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then Mina has the last two questions for you. So Joanna, what is your most used or favorite emoji? The 
winking eye with the tongue sticking out. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Which my husband always makes the face at me. And he's like, why do you always use that? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, look, look, in real life, it doesn't really make sense. <laughs> Um, And then last question, we very much believe entrepreneur years are like dog years. You learn a lot and very quickly. What would you say to baby Joanna now that you're further along in your entrepreneurial journey? Stick through it. Uh, There's a lot of highs and lows and each of the lows is balanced by the highs and it makes it all worth it. Thank you. So share with our listeners how they can... um, see more about Yumble and kind of connect and connect with you. For sure. So we're at yumblekids.com. Uh, that's our handle on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, and if you want to follow me personally, I'm Joanna S. Parker on Instagram. Amazing. Okay, Joanna, well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. And um, we can't wait to connect with you more. And everyone check out their Instagram because it is beautiful. Thank, thank you. you so much for having me. This episode is over, but it doesn't have to end. Head over to our Facebook group, search for the Product Boss Biz Community, or the link is also in the show notes. Come connect with other product bosses just like you. We'll see you in there. If you love the Product Boss Podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, share, rate, and give a review on iTunes. Until next time, Product Bosses, let's make it happen. Like, I want to live there. I want to live in vacation and, you know, suntans for days and stuff. So 
I, what you're saying, I mean, really is the difference between if someone wants to come out and compete with Joe Malone, how do they do that? Well, they have to create a similar experience for their customers yes. through all, all ways. All channels. Right. And then what is, what's maybe the th- reason they don't go for Joe Malone? Maybe she's someone who does want to buy smaller. Maybe she's not a department store person. Maybe she loves that light scent, but then would rather get it from like the local person in Brooklyn at, what is it? It's that indoor place in Brooklyn the, that sells cool okay. things. Artisan Flea, maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you already talked about that earlier. But like something like that where you're like, ooh, like I get to see the person in real life making this stuff and they have their apothecary and all that. So so thinking about that and you and oftentimes people say like look at the bad reviews and fix whatever is in the bad review and then that could be your differentiating factor. Yeah. I mean, we call it personality, right? It's more like mm-hmm. essence of that brand. They're literally putting their dollars to buy the essence for themselves of that brand. Absolutely. <laughs> I think it's like every every brand needs a personality because people don't buy products. They buy stories. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a, it's the same reason why, like I think you were saying, but you could get a knockoff of something and you're going to get the people who are okay with the knockoff because they still want to live that essence of the knockoff. Like yeah. in LA, everyone has the love bracelet Cartier, like knockoff. And you're like, you got that downtown in the jewelry district, didn't you? You know, <laughs> they still want to be or have that that bracelet or whatever it is. So you're selling that essence and you could tell, I mean, I reference this to my fashion clients all the time. You know, I don't feel like coach is the place anymore, but coach used to be the American. Yeah. Right. The American designer brand. They're trying to come back at it. Um, but, or Michael Kors, you know, and it was because that was like a cheaper version of if they wanted Chanel or whatever the bag line was. Um, I wear a lot of David Yearman that has a whole feeling experience that, and, that versus, you know, what's another one? Like Pandora <laughs> or, <Yeah. Okay. laughs> yeah. I don't know, trying to think like of another mall store or Tiffany's. Yeah, Jared's or something. Tiffany's yeah. good. I'm not a Tiffany's person. I'm a David Yerman person, for example. And if you look at how they're selling to the different people, there's just, there's different ways of selling it. And so. You know, it's interesting on my website for my jewelry brand, I think somewhere in the about page, I said like, here's who I'm for. It's like for people who don't want a little blue box. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, I can't really like copyright infringement if I'm like calling out Tiffany's, but like at the end of the day, it's like, I don't, when I design jewelry, I don't design for people who really wear Tiffany jewelry or like, that's like what they want. I remember a customer friend of mine came to me years ago and, uh, we had just met, it was like more of a, a business relationship and she was about to get engaged to her partner. They were looking for two engagement rings because it's a female, female couple. And, uh, I was like, they were telling me what they wanted. And I was like, she's like, I was on your site and I really loved like X, Y, Z ring because I do, even though, uh, it's not always my preference. I still do design some halo rings for customers, but I try to have my own little spin on it. Uh, people still love the halo. I'm uh, anyway, so they were, they wanted that. And I was like, yeah, well, I could totally help you out with that. And at the end of the day, they ended up spending like four and my jewelry is not inexpensive, but a Tiffany, someone who's buying jewelry at Tiffany is literally spending like three times more than what they would buy somewhere else, especially when they're buying the fine jewelry just to have the Tiffany name stamped, stamped in there. Later, when I was like doing some research to see like what she actually spent, the amount of money that she spent on a half carat diamond ring with a halo around it was like, to me, insanity. I'm like, you could have gotten that ring for way, way less. But 
at the end of the day, what was important to them is that they had a ring that had the Tiffany stamp on the inside. And so the people that I designed for are not that. And so I think, Mina, you talked about this earlier. It's like the more you can say who you're not for and even like use that. It's like I've, I 100% do that even in my, in my brand story because I know that when I'm designing for people, it's really for the people who don't want something that anyone else has. Right. And, and, you know, that's something that's a really good tip for when people are thinking about their avatar is if there's some way that you could put into a tagline or in a nutshell exactly who you are not or are, like in your case, you are not for the person that buys for the little blue box, right? Instead of, you know, you're not for the person that would spend three times more, you know, right? There's a very lengthy thing to that, but they get the feeling instantly if they, it's a yes or no when they hear that tagline from them. Those people are, they will leave and that's a good thing. You know, people get really scared when people unsubscribe from their emails even. And they're like, oh my gosh, my unsubscribes are going down. You should be thankful those people are leaving because then they're not making you pay the tier price of the extra emails you're paying for because Lord knows those get to be pretty expensive. And so when I see those people unsubscribe, I'm like, you know what? They were never going to buy from me because they are not my people. And I'm thankful that they had taking the time to unsubscribe because they could just instead delete my emails. (laughs) It's so funny to me, you know, I was talking with one of our partners in business and this is really fascinating and we're strategic partners for Flourish and Thrive and they were, they were doing a favor for us. And she said, well, we don't like to send out too many emails because we don't, we're trying to eliminate the number of unsubscribes we have. I'm like, well, why aren't you sending out emails? That's how you make sales. Like, I don't understand like why people don't want to email people. Like you don't want to email them every day, but like some brands do, you know, I look at my Gmail folder cause I have a separate folder for like shopping online, a uh, separate email address for that I use for when I'm shopping online. Cause I don't want it to go into my business inbox and certain companies sometimes send three emails a day. I don't look at all those emails and they probably have really low open rates in certain cases because people miss them. But at the end of the day, I frequently buy from those people, from those, those stores that I love to buy from. And while we're not necessarily the small independent designers aren't, or independent brands aren't necessarily an Intermix or uh, a Net-A-Porte or an Outnet or um, Veronica Beard or one of those brands or even Bandier, Bandier that might be sending the three emails a day or an email every single day. You can learn a lot, I think, from what big brands are doing from an email marketing strategy to actually sell more products on your website. That's a total sidebar, but at the same time relevant because I think the reason why I love being on those email lists is because like, I'm like, one. they put me at the center of the story. You know, it's like the, the stuff that they're selling, the products that they have. I love also watching what they do for marketing and if you're someone who struggles with marketing, I think that following brands that you love, because typically we are all part of some sort of aspect of our dream clients or um, the people that we want to be, bring into our orbit, the more you can study what they're doing, the, your marketing will just like skyrocket if you can emulate that for your brand. Not copy, very different, but emulate that for your brand. Jacqueline, what was that bag brand that you bought from that with your initials? Do you remember? Henry Bendels? Yeah, Henry Henry Bendels. Um, it's it, it's the timing. You know, like I remember Jacqueline bought that bag because she said, oh, I'm going to meet you at the conference. Oh, look, I got an email from Henry Bendels. Oh, I'm going to buy this three-piece set now all of a sudden. And it was done. You know, so literally, I mean, 
any other time, yeah, she might have been annoyed, but at that time she wasn't. So I think it's just a matter of you just have to be okay with that. Sometimes you're going to annoy people. You can't be perfect. You can't be, you know, you don't know when they're going to buy. Um, but at the same time, she is their customer. She'll never actually get to, like unsubscribe from their list. So. Well, I will because they're officially out of business, but they uh, are no way. Our oh spindles is officially out. They the Fifth Avenue store, everything had closed down at the beginning of the year. <gasps> They were bought out by L Brands, which owns like uh, Pink and Victoria's Secret and all that. And the problem is, is that they went young with it, I feel like. So they did actually lose me as a customer for a really long time because it went from being, I always loved the functionality and the design of it all. And then they started going Kate Spade competitive with like Victoria's Secret customer, which was like really young. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that kind of killed it. That's my own professional opinion. So... But what Mina is saying though is that I've been a fan since I was before 30 because my 30-year-old birthday cake was like brown and white stripe bendel box. It and was? It was. Oh my God, that's so cute. <laughs> and um, that's a raving then, fan right there. <laughs> she, whatever, whatever, many, many years later age that I am now, um, I didn't buy because they were losing me, but they did get me on the cool luggage, right? Because I like that functionality. I didn't want to wear a backpack sitting in first class flying to a conference. I wanted to have something that looked more like, like a female business owner. And that's, that's what sold me on that. So I mean, I think it's such a great point, just the inboxing. And I love this that we brought up the concept of unsubscribe because people do get really scared that they're unsubscri- people are unsubscribing. But if they really are your fan, they're going to stay. They're going to be interested in what you have next. That's true. And use that unsubscribe philosophy for a life. If, pe- if you're living your best life and people do not want to be around you, let them unsubscribe from your life because they are not your people. You know, (laughs) I love it. And this is why I think like continually nurturing the people who already have bought from you, but then also continually bringing new people into your vortex is very important because you have to continue because you are going to get people, you're going to lose people. You just will. Mm -hmm. I remember when I rebranded and started my new business after closing the old one, I thought in the beginning that all those people were going to come and be my big fans and like buy all the other jewelry, but it's like, it it was a total different price point. It was a total different, um, business model. And while the, my design aesthetic was similar, it was just the people who were buying from me from my old business were not necessarily the customers for my new business at that time. Now, some of them have come around, but uh, I got, I remember in the beginning when I started emailing my email list back then. I was losing people left and right. And it was devastating. I'm like, they don't love me anymore. But at the same time, I'm like, this is good. Like, I don't need to pay the extra money for the people that don't want to be there. And if they're never going to spend a couple thousand dollars with me on a, an heirloom redesign or a piece of jewelry, like, what's the point having them there anyway? Right. I mean, I think it's so true. Brands do evolve just like how Henry Bendels did, right? And so even as the business owner in being a solopreneur, your business now will look different than it is later on. So it's hard to keep the same focus and the same avatar because it will evolve. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of like to give the example of like the beer industry where like Budweiser and everybody was trying to, um, you know, they were targeting the young college guys that were like, what was that? promotion was like, what's up or whatever. I can't remember. Yeah. What, do you remember? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and then like Dos Eques and what was the other one? Uh, Stella Artois, they go after the sexy, rich, affluent, 
educated man, you know, the older man, the 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 gentleman, basically. The most intri- what's the most interesting, interesting man, man in the world. a lot. Yeah, in the world. <laughs> and they went for that instead. And that kind of evolved out of, you know what, we're going to do something different. Like what Tracy says of, you know, you don't have to cater to those people, those 20 somethings, just because your beer, you can be a different version of that. And it can evolve into that too. It's like the upgrade. upgrade. Yeah, right. The upgrade. Yeah. <laughs> and even now the Super Bowl commercials um, that were out this year in 2019, I think it was Budweiser or not very good because I wasn't really fully paying attention, but they were like, we don't have this as an ingredient. So they were going more to now what the trend is, is like the natural, the people who don't want the high fructose corn syrup, that kind of thing. They were, they were basically advertising against an ingredient that was in somebody else's beer. That was their differentiating factor, right? Even though they may have always been this way, but they're realizing that the trend of awareness around maybe consumption of what you're putting into your body, that that would have, that's enough to be like, oh yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, My husband always talks about the subway. There was a whole thing against subway that it was like, subway has the same ingredient in it that tires have or something like that, right? It was like this- Tires? Yeah. Like it was a bashing subway ad. Well, that ingredient was water. (laughs) That's just shady though. (laughs) But- but like you people remember that. And so, but if you can do that, not obviously to, to bash another brand, but if you can differentiate yourself in a creative way, I think it's just, it's just showing you what these big brands are even doing against each yeah. other. So Tracy, so we like to wrap our interviews with some fun questions. Let's do it. Yeah. You ready to jump in? Okay. Yeah. So what is your coffee order? Oh, I love Colombe coffee. La Colombe. I, I don't know how to say it. Is it La Colombe or La Colombe coffee? And I get uh, Corsica with a splash of oat milk. Mm, you're an oat milk lady. Me too. Um, <laughs> what's the favorite thing on your desk? Oh gosh. My colored pens. That's awesome. <laughs> Finish the sentence. When I pick up my phone, I... Check my text messages. <laughs> oh, nice. That's a good one. <laughs> Everyone always says Instagram. Yeah. You wish you knew how to. I wish I knew how to be a better singer and play an instrument at the same time. Interesting. Um, what was the last? Your husband a run for his money on Broadway someday. That guy <laughs> can like pick up any instrument and play it. It's kind of insane. Um, so you wish you knew how. Nope, I already asked you that one. What was the last? <laughs> thing you watched? What was the last thing I binge watched? Uh huh. Oh my gosh. I started binge watching episodes. <laughs> Do you guys know this show? Yeah. It's like a Showtime show from like years and years ago. I don't know why. I just was like, I want something easy. What I'm is like, it? Episodes and um, Joey's on it from, from Friends. Friends. Oh. And so I was like, when you said episodes, I was like, yes, episodes of? <laughs> <laughs> Called episodes. And like, there's so many episodes of episodes. And uh, I wanted something easy to watch in bed, like, because I'm terrible. One of those people who, like, sticks my iPad, like, right in front of my face before I go to sleep. But whatever. I still fall asleep. And uh, I, it's, it's still going. I'm still binge watching it because it's taking forever to get through it. It obviously was a good show, though, because it was on for so long, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he was the guy who had the TV career after, even though, like, in Friends, you were like, mm, maybe not the best actor. Well, he has but, a show yeah. now, I think. Yeah. He, he just keeps gray working. hair. All right. Um, what should the title in your signature actually say on your email signature? Um, creative badass at making money. 
I love it. <laughs> and then do you have an alter ego or stage persona? Uh, I do. I don't really have a good name for her yet, but you know, I would call her like confident Connie or something like that. <laughs> I got to think about it. I don't have a name for her, but there is like, I kind of step into that. So I, I used to do these, like, you know, I had one called attractive amethyst because I wanted to use like a jewelry name for when I was like going through that, like rebuilding phase of my business. I'm like, you are like a money magnet. You're attractive amethyst. I haven't really thought about it, but like definitely when I walk on stage, like I'm, I'm pretty like outgoing anyway, but like something changes and I like come alive. It's like the weirdest thing. Just call yourself Beyonce. That's all. Beyonce. Just give, just give her awesome. just <laughs> queen B queen B. <laughs> all right. Mina gets the last two. Yeah. Um, and, uh, what is your, I forget. I most don't used have emoji. Yeah. What is your most used emoji? Um, I would say blowy kissy. Oh, I love that one too. And I add additional heart usually. So <laughs> if you ever, if anybody ever direct messages us and gets a kissy face with an additional heart, that's always me. And last question, Tracy, we often say that entrepreneur years are like dog years. What would you tell baby Tracy in the beginning of her entrepreneurial journey now that you're further along? Oh, geez. It's not going to be easy, girl. And, but this is going to make you a really strong person. And the trade-off is that this is going to be the most fulfilling thing that you've ever done. Agreed. Amen. I've Amen. got the show emoji hands it. up for you. <laughs> <laughs> and a kissy face. <laughs> and a kissy face and uh, a few other things. <laughs> so Tracy, tell our listeners how they can connect with you. Awesome. Well, if you're a jewelry designer, I'd love for you to head on over to Flourish and Thrive Academy. You could take our jewelry brand Brilliance Factor quiz over at flourishthriveacademy.com forward slash brilliance. And if you're not a jewelry designer and you're a creative of any type, you can download a special download that I have over at Creatives Rule the World called the Visionary Code. And it's super awesome. Uh, whether or not you're a founder of a company, if you're creative, I think this is a really helpful way for you to kind of manage your energy so that you can spend more of your time being creative. And you can head on over to creativesruletheworld.com forward slash VC to grab that. Great. And we'll have that all in the show notes. Thanks, Tracy. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. This episode is over, but it doesn't have to end. Head over to our Facebook group, search for the Product Boss Biz Community, or the link is also in the show notes. Come connect with other product bosses just like you. We'll see you in there. If you love the Product Boss Podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, share, rate, and give a review on iTunes. Until next time, product bosses, let's make it happen.